Welcome to the fifth episode of Your Time in the Run, the Hunted Podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is my fellow Brit, whose heart is racing right now, Anthony Williams. Good evening. And the Australian whose heart never races around her family, Michelle Pierce-Denovan. <laughs> Morning! That is the first intro of the uh, the season that I've written before my notes. I couldn't resist. That's crazy. I don't know why this podcast has suddenly turned into a roast of why Michelle hates her family, but every week we mention it, and every week it's still true. You know what? I'm not awake enough to argue with you yet. Give me, like, 15 minutes. Maybe 10. I'm sure we will re- be recording about this episode for a long time, Michelle. Jeez. I do have things to do in my life. No, you don't. You podcast with us every week. You have two hours a week set only for us, Michelle. That's how it always oh, will two be. Two hours? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Our podcast records, with the exception of the one that was me and Ant, which was the premiere, have all been about two hours this season. So it must be your oh, fault that they go on long. It is. There's... Only one factor that has changed, and that is Michelle. Just arguing that, oh, I don't hate my family, even though we all know you do, Michelle. God, I wished I lived in the same country as you. I would just get to your house if I lived in the same country as you. No, you wouldn't. Oh, there'd be so much going on. I wouldn't tell you where I lived. What world do we live in? I'd get Sherlock on the case. (laughs) Tell me where you live. You don't need it. I've got his address. It'll be fine. (laughs) Michelle's got my address. She sent me a Christmas card. She sent me the first Christmas card of 2017. But I get rid of Christmas cards, uh, Christmas addresses after Christmas. I don't have an address book. I don't live in like the 70s like I used to have an address book when I was like five. You do have a phone though, Michelle. I don't write addresses in there. Why? I I do. I don't know. I should. I think I've got one brother in there. That was it. It's just in case she has to go on the run so she doesn't got nothing to delete. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because it's in England. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We all know that Hunted Australia would really work. Oh, totally. Not. Yeah. Day 412. Still no sign of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're underground at Cooper Pedy. It would just be people walking to Cooper Pedy. <laughs> just, it, that people would be on the run for years. No one would ever find anybody. There's like five cameras in Australia. Four of them. Yeah, they're not, and they're and they're all in Sydney in, in one street, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and first, I have to start the podcast with an apology to Hunter Ali, who correctly pointed out that actually Team Echo have been involved in multiple captures. Oh, you got in trouble. I said last week that it was um, five different teams involved in five different captures, and no, Echo did do some um, some backup work for some of the captures. Oh, yeah. Got to keep the records straight. They are truly the new Danny and Nick. Indeed. Come on. Get in! <laughs> Come on! We need a sound grab of that, please. Oh, Michelle, don't worry. I have a, I have lots of clips for the hypothetical reality TV warrior soundboard, and that will be on it. <laughs> not my one, her one. She's really good. Yeah, but there's still not going to be any clip better than Eamon saying what kind of G-string. <laughs> like there's so many different kinds <laughs> Not. so we start with David and Emily and previously they carried out an elaborate plan to evade capture by meeting up with his law school friend Holly and having her take them to Vidalia uh, there they met her ex-boyfriend Blaze to take them out to a secluded cabin in the woods definitely not about to be murdered 
Uh, Teresa found out about Holly using the phone signal and sent Echo and Foxtrot to check it out. And then the episode begins. He's still with Blaze. And we start really early on with how well planned David and Emily's, I still can't say Emily, David and Emily's 28 days on the run is going to be. Um, But is this still leading towards they're going to get caught because of the calendar? There seems to be a lot of references to how everything's planned out in advance. But they basically realise that the calendar might have been compromised by the end of this episode. Yeah, then it could be could be a really interesting one for them next week if they just completely go off-piste. Given that I think they only had about eight days left at the end of this episode, they probably are just going to go off-piste. Mm, could be fun. Uh, so Andy, brother of Patrick Stump, sends out a drone to accompany Echo and Foxtrot and makes the play of calling the house phone, which somehow they managed to get access to, which is a little bit creepy. Yeah, a little, little bit odd that, that they can get the number and everything. And it, I like the um, everything happening at once, this kind of coordinated knock on the door, front door, back door, phones going, try and startle them. All of that, absolutely wonderful, with just that one minor thing of, they're in the wrong place. Yeah, setting off the car alarms, shoving tear gas through the letterbox. <laughs> you know, the works. Yeah, loudspeakers playing metal music for 24 hours, a full, full on attack. Yep. Just the wrong house. Other than that, pretty good work, guys. 99% there. Just a little bit bumbling law enforcement at the end. Uh, David, you know how he said he can hear something? Uh, sometimes, I know, working with kids, you don't really have to hear anything or see anything. You just know. You just mm. know when they're up to no good. So I'm just wondering if, if David has that sort of sixth sense that he knows something's happening. Because, I, I mean, you, I tried to hear something unless you could hear the drone, but when you went to him looking into the forest, you couldn't hear anything extra, really. But also you've got to remember David probably has the sixth sense of knowing when cops are about to chase after him. Well, he's certainly got plenty of practice. So, mm. yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Sometimes you just get that. Well, he says later, doesn't he? You know, we had a good feeling yesterday something wasn't right and uh, they they acted on it. I think you've got to, haven't you, in this game? If, if you just don't feel that things are right, just assume it's not right and go for it. Yeah. Keep running. Keep running, yeah, absolutely. Especially as they were probably coming close to their 48 hours where they had to move five miles anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I, I thought it was great that it really paid back that they'd bothered to check when they kept, when they got to the cabin, they'd look to see if there was another way out and ended up having to use that. So it was a, a good bit of planning. It, it really does seem like everything these guys do, they've thought out pretty well. I have noticed that the, the edit for CBS Hunted, at least, it pays a lot more stuff forward. Yeah. Like, we wouldn't have necessarily seen the them checking out the exit route on the UK one. No, it would have just happened, no. wouldn't it? I think they're spelling it out a lot more to the viewers than the UK one. Not to say I don't have some issues with the edit, which we'll get to towards the end of this episode, but they're spelling it out a lot more for the viewers. Yeah, I think so. I think so. There's often multiple references to something when it happens, isn't there? Sometimes they preempt stuff at the start of an episode that comes back to bite them at the end, but sometimes they're a lot more clever with it. Yeah, yeah, I quite like the way they're editing it. So there's no... Out of the blue, big surprises, which I think we did have a lot of in Hunted UK. And it's a shame, really. You know, we, we haven't had a Nick's imposter type situation yet. Um, but on the other hand, it all makes sense. And I guess that's a bit more of a traditional edit, isn't it? Make everything 
really sensible so that when things happen, there's no big surprises. But I also like the let the audience fill in the gaps tactic. Like, can mm. you imagine how Liam Hillmar's plane play would have gone down on the UK? Oh, it would have been great. It, it, it would have just appeared out of nowhere. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we've got a friend who's a pilot. Yeah, I'm not sure that they would have edited it in the same way in the UK. No, definitely not. No, I think there would have been a much bigger reveal for us. So, uh, Rifi, the science guy, wants uh, David and Emily to pause by overwhelming their senses. And uh, Echo and Foxtrot have a house surrounded, and they ring the phone, and there's no one there. There's no one there at all. There's no furniture or anything. It's like they've just turned up at a deserted house. It's basically Blaze's murder house. (laughs) Yeah, I think it is. (laughs) At which point we're all grateful that he didn't take them to that one, he took them to the one next door instead, which has the same address. How does that even happen? Oh, America. (laughs) Bizarre. Yeah, fun fact, what you couldn't see in the episode is that Echo and Foxtrot looked through the windows and just saw plastic wrap everywhere. <laughs> like some scene out of Dexter. But, got to say, he's a bit of a hero in this episode, because finally we meet a friend who doesn't just tell them everything instantly. He's like, oh, well, I'm not going to tell you, I was here with my boss, maybe. Blaze obviously read his contract. Yeah, yes you have to talk to him. No, you don't have to tell them everything. You still there, Michelle? Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm <laughs> just listening. I was just that bit. Um, listening intently. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you guys are interesting and I do just listen. Sometimes, not always. <laughs> That's correct. Sometimes I have to interject. Yeah, sometimes we talk absolute bollocks. Uh, yes, sometimes. Really? Uh, frequently. That's not very nice, Michelle. You're mean. <laughs> you couldn't do any better. Oh dear. I can't I can't compete. I need to wake up more. Oh my god, I'm so tired. Uh so the the drone that um Andy off of Patrick Stump sent out spots movement and David and Emily had just got out in time. Just made an escape through the back route, which was pretty lucky, really. Because this does seem like it's one of the few times where the timeline is probably to be trusted if they've seen them with the drone. Yeah, I think this is the rare example of CBS editing not playing tricks on us. Hmm, certainly feels that way. So that must have been really, really close. I think they were probably about 30 seconds away from getting caught. Yep, yep. Which is one of the closest things we've ever seen in... Any hunted. Yeah, we don't normally see them get that close unless they're all over it and they just do capture them straight away, so... Mm. Like curtain jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not sure if Dutch hunted had anything like this, because that's the only one I've not seen yet. But between the UK and the US ones, it got very close there to being a record. Yep, there's a good one. Um, actual tension. For once, instead of artificial yeah, normally they're, they're having to sort of make out that they're really close, but you can tell that they're not. But this time, yeah, it was, it was good. And uh, off they go, hopefully off plan now, and uh, they can leave the calendar behind them. Yeah. And Blaze does ring them on their burner phone um, just to tell them how close the hunters were. Yeah, and and then I love the, we've got to get rid of this burner phone. So Emily just winds the window down and throws it out. <laughs> That's awesome. Bye. I really like that. Bye, burner phone. <laughs> See you later. Excellent move. Yeah, what happens if, if the hunters find it, though? What if but they if, do? If, finds, if Blaze rings that phone, can they, unless it 
connects, the police can't see it, can they? Electronically. They can't see where it is, can they? It wouldn't really matter if they did. Nah, they've got, well, they know roughly where they were, and it is mm. ringing them a couple of minutes later, so they're only going to be a few miles away from where they were last spotted anyway. But, uh, mm. yeah, uh, it's absolutely the right move, because clearly they're going to be tracking Blazer's phone now. So get rid of the burner. It didn't take them long to work out the connection between him and Emily. No, it didn't. So they will, they will definitely be tracking everything of Blaze. Although I wouldn't be surprised if Blaze is already on a watch list, you know, given that he's a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Blaze has actually been under surveillance for a long time. That's how they found him. And then we move on to our new favourites on social media, Pennywise and Henry VIII. Yay. Do you know what? I, I don't know whether it's because they were really nice and took all of our criticism well or whether it genuinely was a different edit but i, I looked go? on them differently this week i felt a little a little warmer to them this week yeah you know i cut out half of your jokes about her last week yeah i i fully admit i was a little bit mean last week about those i, I did not take to them well but this week much much softer edit yeah i was very careful with my edit of your jokes about her deliberately because i knew that they would find it i've learned my lesson from our tal 28 preview <laughs> Yeah, I was I was mean. But no, I, I thought they were um, quite interesting this way. And, you know, I we thought they were like the one-and-done team when they got introduced. I'm not sure now. I think there was some quite interesting stuff from this this week that means they might last a little bit longer. But they end the episode on about day nine. Yeah, that is true. So they'd have to be... Um... Everyone else is on about day 18, 19, 20. Yeah, but if they completely drop off the radar... But they won't. <laughs> they might. They won't. Oh, you never know. I'm very confident that they are not going to win. Okay. No, I think I, I'm get still. Caught yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they're winners. But I think they will get caught. But but they're they're probably not going to get caught as unceremoniously as I first thought they would. They're getting caught next week because there is no way that the other three teams don't make it to the final. Yeah, I think that's fairly likely. And I'm not even annoyed at the fact that the one thing I definitely said categorically about them last week was, well, we won't be seeing anything of Amber then because she doesn't live in the area. <laughs> and then, oh, lo and behold, she's taking a trip to Charleston. <laughs> oh, how bizarre that the one family member that we get to hear about happens to end up in the zone. That was a very convenient uh, bit of CBS editing, that wasn't it? It was, wasn't it? Although my favourite bit of CBS editing is coming in the next segment. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you, you thought the same thing I did. I don't know. We'll see when we get there. Yeah. So with Pennywise and Henry VIII, they went on the run from Myrtle Beach while on holiday with their family. Charlie found out what their getaway plan was, and they braved a storm on foot and stayed in a storage unit. And Henry's sister Amber, who I guess makes her a princess, Princess Amber, as I'm going to call her now, uh, is staying in Charleston. Yep. And uh, Hunter Lenny doesn't anticipate a plan from uh, Henry VIII. Yeah. And uh, Teresa said something interesting again. Did she? Teresa. Because I don't know, my ears prick up every time she comes onto that screen and I listen to what she says and I'm like, I'm always writing it down. Because I never agree with her, do I? (laughs) She (laughs) She said, the organisation will wear out on English over time, like being an organiser and having it all organised. How can it wear out? If you're an organiser in your life, 
you need the organisation. My whole life is organised, my own. And if it's not organised, I would be so uncomfortable, I wouldn't know what I was doing. So organisation will never wear out on me. And if she's an organiser, it won't wear out on her. I think it's more that the only tactic for Hunted is be spontaneous, not predictable. And if you're a planner, as I fully admit I'm a planner, if you're a planner... But David's a planner. David yeah, but... And but, the entire thing. But they've not been very spontaneous and they very nearly got caught because of it. It was only mm. by the grace of serial killer Blaze that they managed to get away with it. And David's good instincts. I was taking it that Teresa meant that being an organiser would, we- would wear her out, having to have things organised. No, the, the fact that she is an organiser and has to go into a game where you've got to be able to adapt will wear on her. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And then we cut to a scene with, with her saying how hard it is that, that she can't plan things and she has to be spontaneous, which does feel a bit like that's going to lead somewhere. But they do make it to day six where they start hitchhiking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Six, six days is, is still, you know, it's an accomplishment. If you need to be that organised and clearly they haven't been able to, they've, they've done all right. They've already managed to surpass Matt and Christina who made it to day four. Yeah, yeah, without wearing a silly wig. So, yeah, they're doing well. Did you not find I, I that it, um, uh, that Amber seemed a little bit over-emotional? I think they're a very close family, though. <laughs> they must be incredibly close. Oh, my God, I don't know where my sister's sleeping at night. And you can probably imagine that she is used to Henry being very planny and very controlling of her own decisions. And the yeah. fact that she prob- when she applied for Hunted, or was recruited at a Californian taco stand, um, you can sort of imagine that Amber thought, what on earth is she doing? Yeah. This is a terrible idea. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, but, um, and, and this really wrecks their plan, doesn't it? Because they're obviously getting in touch with Amber to say, hey, let's come and stay with you. And then uh, Amber reveals that the hunters are already onto them. They've been to the beach house. Although she said um, they came to the beach house yesterday, so they must have been on the run for five days before the hunters even got as far as her mum. Yeah. But also, who rings their family on day six? Who yeah. or who thinks it's okay to go to any of their family's houses? On day six. I know. Oh, Especially God. when it's your sister who's not from that town who has gone into the hunter zone. It's not going to be difficult to spot. Oh, Amber's randomly appeared in Charleston. I don't suppose that's anything to do with their plan. Nah, leave her alone. That's a really, really naive move to think that they're not going to know what Amber's up to. Like, I am all for defending Pennywise and Henry VIII because they are very good sports. But who rings their family on day six? Like, their closest relation as well. No, no. it's It's the first level of contacts that they're going to be tracking. No doubt about it. If you've even seen an episode of Hunted, you'll know that they will have phone trackers on every single person who is intimately connected to you. Insanity. Still, at least Amber was aware that they were on the trail before she got the phone call. So, you know, the the, the one saving grace is that out of it, they decide that it's probably not a good idea to meet up. But also, on the other way around, if they're monitoring Amber's phone, and they have the call monitoring on, for example... They're going to find out that it's Pennywise and Henry VIII, and they're going to track that phone and find out where they're being taken. Yeah. 
and then they're going to send Liam Neeson in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that escalated fast. Little taken joke for you there. But yeah, very bad idea. Yeah. And so we don't get to see much more in this segment of them. It feels like the bits with these guys are very few and far between, so there's not an awful lot of coverage of them, I don't think. And now the stars of not just the episode, but the season. <laughs> it's time to start discussing Leon Hilmar. And the uh-huh. moment I've been waiting for for three days. <laughs> <laughs> so we begin with our lost wolf friends, who are staying with a friend in Florida, and previously set up a mail scheme which may have been compromised. And they've reached day 16, and it is both Father's Day and Lee's birthday. Yeah, June the 19th. Hmm. And just to, to start the connections to the second UK series, which won't be the last time by any stretch of the imagination, they seem to pick people last series for the UK one who were celebrating things during the hunt time, like son's birthdays, like anniversaries, mainly because it gives them a connection to their friends and family who they need to contact. So maybe this is a little bit inspired by that. Yeah, it feels like it, doesn't it? Isn't it great that it's not only Father's Day, but it's also Lee's birthday. It's almost inevitable that he's going to reach out to his family on that day. But also the hunters have chase these guys for 16 days now. They know that Lee and Hilmar aren't going to be that stupid. Yeah, and when we say chased, we haven't really done a lot of chasing, have we? They've spoken to Beth a couple of times. That's about it. Yeah. They know that Lee's family is very close, but they also know that they're not stupid enough to ring home. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, 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 no. They're going to go big. (laughs) <laughs> this is this is so big, it's ridiculous. This is, hands down, the biggest thing that anyone has ever and will ever do unhunted. There is no way you can get bigger than this. No, this this takes water skiing to the next level, doesn't it? It's just crazy. The, the, all the words I've written down in this entire segment are just words like crazy, insane, unbelievable, amazing. This is so deliciously cocky. This is Ricky Allen and the Bothy on steroids. Yep. It's amazing. (laughs) And I love every second of it. It's so good. And you know what? When he was even thinking about it and talking about it, at no point did it come into my brain, oh, that's stupid. That's not going to work. Because it was him. It was them. And it would work because they have a brain and they've thought things through. It's no secret that from their first appearance in episode two, we loved Lee and Hildar. Because I could tell completely that they were our sort of fugitives. Slightly cocky, but also incredibly intelligent. At no point did I think that they would do this sort of move. It's just brilliant the way it just as well comes almost out of nowhere. It's like, oh man, I'm really missing them at the moment. I've got a friend with a plane. Why don't, why don't we just fly around? If it isn't already organised. <laughs> it's, just, it's just wonderful. The fact that they can do it is amazing. The fact that they do do it is just ridiculous. And I, I love it so much. But I'm with you, Michelle. At, at no point did I ever think, oh my God, they're going to fly her in, it's all going to go wrong, and they're going to get caught, and it's just going to be a monumentally stupid move. The whole time I'm just going... 
yep, this is going to work. This is absolutely going to work. They've, they've thought about this. There's no way they're getting caught doing this. This is just genius. But you can imagine when they were preparing for to go on the run, and let's be honest, they are the best prepared of any team to go on the run this series, because they actually watched the UK one. You can imagine that they were thinking, what's the ace that we have in our back pockets? Hmm, actually, doesn't Tim have a plane? We may need to just keep that in mind just in case we need it. Yeah. Uh, you can just imagine them, can't you, plotting it, going, I know what we could do. What if we could get Tim and his plane? Yep. I'm on board. But, uh, so, uh, in fact, we haven't even set this up yet at all. We've just been sort of lamenting how awesome this movie is. So, Lee's wife, Beth, is going to find out the gender of their unborn baby on day 17. Spoilers, it's male. We found out she gave birth about six, eight weeks ago, I think it was. But you know shit's about to go down when we have Beth and the family on camera from Texas. Yep. They're not sending a crew out there for no reason, are they? You can tell by that point Lee and Hilmar had already decided they wanted to fly Beth out and that production thought, we really need these shots, like, now. Mm-hmm. And all I have written down for this entire scene is just, holy winner's edit, Batman. <laughs> yeah. It is the most blatant winner's edit, even more so than Nick's. Yeah. As much as I love Nick's winner's edit, there is no way that Lee and Hilmar are not winning. No, they're, they're Purely from how they have been portrayed. Completely locked in on a win. And, and you know, that's that's why we get this whole sense of this is definitely going to pan out. You know, they, they, they don't even try and put any... I mean, as close as we get to this could possibly go wrong is when an old lady turns up at the airfield. I mean, come on, is that it? And they had to slam an ad break in just to make some tension there. There's just nothing. There, there is, if these guys get caught, this is the greatest edit white ever. Car. Yeah, no, it's not even a blacked out SUV or anything. It's just, oh, guys, could you just pretend that that car coming in might be the hunters? Because do you know what? We've got nothing on you guys at the moment. Just, just throw us a bone, will you, please? But also, Lee and Hilmar haven't seen the hunters. They don't know it's going to be black SUVs. They can no, sort but... of assume, given that it's big old silver. Uh, Hondas, is it, in the UK? Yeah, they won't be cars, were they? It's not going to be some clapped-out old car, is it? Yeah, but this is America. It was always going to be a four-wheel drive or something big. Yeah, it's going to be something impressive, isn't it? And correctly command want to exploit Lee's birthday and Father's Day being on the same day because they know he's going to make some sort of communication with his family. But Lee has a little idea, which is that Hilmar's friend Tim owns a plane, they want to fly Beth to them. Nothing like, you know, just a little phone call. No, we've got to take it like a million steps up from that. No, there's no no crawling across clean-cut grass in a ghillie suit for these guys. No, screw that. Just fire (laughs) in. Bring it on. I wonder whether their original plan was for Tim to fly them to Beth and then they got told she was out of the hunter area. Yeah, it could be, couldn't it? Um, yeah, that would that would be a, um, a logical thing to do. But I'm, I'm guessing they would know about where they're allowed to go before they go on the run in case they accidentally went out of the hunter zone. I wonder whether as well there is a black and white rule about whether they're allowed to use private planes. <laughs> whether that's excluded. For them? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, I was thinking that, you know, while, while Tim's there... 
why don't they just get him to fly them just right right at the very edge of the hunting zone and then they won't be able to track them but they didn't so i would i'm with you i'm guessing that's not allowed i guess there is a rule against it because otherwise they could just get tim to fly them around for 28 days yeah just just go on a little tour around the the southern america (laughs) yeah maybe rather pricey it would yeah yeah they're not going to do that on their 500 dollar budget are they and we also find out there is a website where you can track planes live. That won't come back to bite them. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was very subtly planted in there, wasn't it? With a sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> My suspicion is that that is setting up the hunters getting Tim's call sign and finding out where he flew Beth from. Yeah. But and Lee it's... and Hilmar will be long gone by then. Absolutely, but it'll be set up as if it's a huge breakthrough in the case, and uh, now they know it. Yeah, it was uh, it was funny. It was like, what's that you say? There's a website where you can find out where planes are? Really? A website, you say? Hmm, interesting. And yeah, their segment ends with Hilmar co-signing the move. He's up for it. it it's brilliant. So Operational Cocky Bastards is on. <laughs> well, they need a morale boost. Mm-hmm. I just love every element of this. I really do. It's bonkers. And there's more to come. There really is. Because we need to actually unpack the plane scene. Because <laughs> there is so much delicious content in there. <laughs> but first, Arafin and Mad exist. So they went remote, but they needed money, so hit an ATM by the lake that they were staying at, attracting the attention of the hunters. Command dispatched a helicopter, but Vinny and John miss a kayak, and they ended the episode by shaving. And they decide to hitch a ride away from the lake on day 17. Mmm, doing well. Well into the adventure now. The third of our four teams who are on day 17. Yes, and then there's the other team who aren't. Yes, the other team that either have to go remote and fast forward through about 10 days, or they're getting caught very soon. Well, we, we have seen it, you know. Troy and Shelley just did nothing for 10 days apparently. So if they go off crocodile hunting or something, they might be all right. Who knows? You really think that Henry VIII is going to go crocodile hunting? No, of course I don't. But I just want there to be a a sliver of hope that they're not going to get caught and that we haven't predicted the entire season. They are going to get caught and we have predicted the entire season. Okay. They are on their way to Athens, Georgia, and they exploit the Muslim connection and find out that there is a big population of Muslims in Athens. Yeah, and um, this comes back to what uh, Zyra said quite early on, wasn't it, around maybe they'll head to the mosque because people go there um, at the end of the day to to get a bit of food at the end of Ramadan and they check out that you can indeed get iftar in Athens. So I wonder if that's going to lead somewhere. I do like that we never actually saw the taxi driver's face as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he didn't sign the lease form. (laughs) He was just an NPC. It was actually Blaze. <gasps> um, I never barter in, you know, third world country, you're supposed to, but in, in like Australia, I never say to anybody, oh, can you make this cheaper or can you do a deal? And when, they, when they did that with the cab, I thought, okay, I just never do that. But the code word in Australia is bloody D-Lo. Can you do me a bloody D-Lo, mate? D-Lo. <laughs> no. We don't use that word. D-Lo. And if you really befriend them, you call them the C-word. 
That's how it works, isn't it? No, not at all. It's it's a it's a myth that thing it doesn't happen. All the Australians I know say that. Really? Yeah. Not me. You and Ben. No, no we don't. You just don't realise do you do not. it. You do. I do not. <laughs> you do. I know children. I have never used that word in my life, and I never will. I like uh, playing off Australian stereotypes of Michelle. It seems to make her unnaturally angry. <laughs> no, I'm not unnaturally angry. You're just always just angry. Normally. Natural. Just normally. <laughs> and this is why you hate your family. Yeah, that's it. That's it, Michael. Because I'm, I'm not even... Because you don't, you don't even have room for love in your heart. You're just always oh. angry at people. Come from? I don't know. Seriously, I don't know. I've spun it out of control now, and it's just a running joke. <laughs> I'm so glad you're cutting out on me a lot this morning. <laughs> the good news is I'm not cutting out on myself, and I'm recording. <sighs> Wait till you hear it back. Maybe, it, maybe I'll get lucky, and you'll have cut out quite a bit. I can re-record myself. You know, I have done it for podcasts before. So anyway, but- I finished my dinner a taxi, right? Yes. And there literally isn't much more to this scene. Uh, no. But, no, I think it was an interesting point about bartering to get a, a good price. What I really, really admired about these guys is that they didn't have enough money, but they then made arrangements to pay him uh, before they left town, which is um, that's pretty good. It's very nice. It's honourable. It's very honourable. And really unnecessary to put in the edit as well. You really don't need to talk about that. So... What does that? What does that say? They're good guys, sweetheart. Third places. Feels like it, doesn't it? They're bigging them up, and it's going to be a disappointing final capture. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely going out of their way to make them look like good guys who are trying really hard and uh, playing by the rules and being really honourable and being great guys. And it's usually those people that end up going home third, isn't it? Yeah. In my years of having competitive reality TV analysis, edit-wise, they're getting the sweetheart third place edit. Yeah. Or or in recent seasons of Amazing Race, you have fan favourite fourth placer. Mm, I always pick, the, always pick the fourth place at the moment. It's, really? Yeah. The last few seasons, they always come across really nice in the first few episodes, and I'm like, oh, yeah, these guys, these will do well. And then all of logic goes out the window, and I just really like them, so I convince myself they're going to win, and then they come forth. Cool. Anyway. <laughs> so we're back to Pennywise and Henry VIII, and they are en route to Charleston with no shelter. And still talking to Amber. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, like, they've spoken to Amber and realised that the hunters are on to them, and have spoken to their mother. Why are they still talking to Amber? I don't know. They're on there for quite a while. Crazy. Well, they call her back, don't they? Yeah. There's two calls to her. So, like, not content with she's probably compromised, they then call her again just to make sure. And then, and then Amber's like, oh, I know. I'll book you a hotel or an Airbnb, shall I? Yeah. At, at, least, at least that gets poo-pooed. It's like, no, seriously, come on. Like, and who's searching for camping grounds? Was that Amber or was it them pretending to be Amber, do you think? Yeah, it's Amber pretending to be them, isn't it? And it's just awful. God, if if, if Amanda had got Amanda, if Amber had got on this instead, they would have been caught in about three seconds. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It really is. 
And and also in the phone call, why are you now telling Amber to get a burner phone after you've just phoned her actual phone? Twice. Twice. Isn't that not a little bit late? And then the whole log on to Facebook and send some decoy plans. Did they really think they're not going to know that that's Amber? Oh, boy, this is like a catalogue of disasters, isn't it? Yeah, do they really think that the hunters won't have already cracked every single password that they have and got it unmonitored? I think so. They're just idiots. (laughs) Well, they're not not the the best at this stage. Harsh, harsh. It's like Ant and I have swapped roles about them this week. It is, yeah, I know. I'm not sure why. There is still part of me that's like, yeah, I totally agree with you. These these are not good. But I want to be fooled. I want the editors to be going, ha ha, you thought they were really bad, but secretly they were good. I am wondering why they left them till last to introduce. Well, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's got to be an interesting story. Something's got to pan out that needs to happen towards the end of the series. Do I think going to have a big, ballsy capture or just burn out? Yeah, I can't see burnout being compelling enough to push them back. Because I think, honestly, if they are just going to get caught in the next episode with a whimper rather than a bang, they probably should have put them at the start of the season just to get it over with. Mm, That's what I mean. Something's going to happen. My gut feel tells me it's going to be Amber-related, because she's getting a big part for not really any reason at this stage. Especially when you consider that Troy and Shelley still have lasted the longest on the run whilst getting captured. Yeah. Yeah, but they were just sat in the swamp for 10 days or something. There's not a lot to talk about. Mm. But at least Henry is very self-aware and knows that her planning is a weakness. Yeah, she she uh, she does realise that. I don't, know, I don't think there's anything she can do about it. I think it's just going to stress her out the whole time. Yeah. She's going to be good TV if she lasts long enough. Yeah, because I think really stressed out, she's going to be quite fun. And then in the first awesome bit of this episode, we get my three favourite words, Sherlock Skype's Amber. (laughs) Oh my God, I have got OMG in caps with stars all around it and then Sherlock underlined (laughs) interrogation, amazing. I know that this was Teresa's favourite bit of the episode. It was brilliant. I think this is potentially Sherlock's finest hour. Oh, 100%. Oh my gosh, he gets a bit pissed off. Flex would have never let him Skype anyone. (laughs) No, no, not like that. Oh my gosh. You've got to be more reserved in England. No, in America, just go them. In the UK one, he probably would have said, quit the bullshit, get on with it. In the UK one, he'd have said, get Amber round here, make her fall down some stairs or something. That's what he would have said. Set blaze on her. <laughs> yeah. Bring in the blaze. Put him put him in a room and just give me five minutes. Unleash blaze. No, it was awesome. Uh, Sherlock was magnificent in this. I loved it. Loved every minute. I would have loved to have seen the unedited version of it. It yes, was just hilarious. And how bad was Amber? Jesus. Talk about body language. And the face. <laughs> I want the clip of Sherlock telling her to cut the crap. Because <laughs> you know he got angrier with her than uh, than what we saw. It was just marvellous. And yeah, I, th- I don't think that's the last we're going to see of that. I think there's more. And this is the first time of the season that I've seen complaints about Sherlock on the Facebook page. Really? Yeah, really? There, was, there was someone complaining that he's really arrogant. Really arrogant? Oh 
God, he's just doing his job. <laughs> These people. But that's not the best complaints of the week. <laughs> are you going to tell us what they are, or do we need to wait till later? Have you seen the reactions to Lee and Hilmar's plane move? No. Oh no. my god, if Logan was doing funniest complaints on this season, he would have a field day with this. Would it be an airfield day? I will have to go in and reply to people. It is the best. <laughs> like, genuinely. What are they saying? Well, I have my favourite one copied into my notes. OMG, really? Lee couldn't wait 28 days to see his wife or kids? I'm a former Marine and was deployed three times, two six-month med floats, Operation Sharp Edge with being out at sea for 88 days with no view of land, and before today's cell phone and during Desert Shield Storm. And during these times, there was no communication with my family except through the mail. Of course it was painful, but this is only for 28 days. I saw that one on Twitter. Lee's response. (laughs) Yes. Don't you take the whole thing as a bit of a goading of the hunters rather than... I think Lee could go 28 days, no problem. But I think he's doing it to add this extra, oh, why don't we do this? This will be fine. We won't get caught. And we can also go the hunters and it's a bit of fun. We're going to get more into the funniest complaints because I have some great ones to bring up. But there are a lot of people who completely think this program is 100% real. Mm. And not a piece of television. Seriously, any of the stupid people who are who put these posts on Facebook and complain and whinge and bitch and moan about anything to do with a show like Hunted, you're going to have a rough ride in the next sort of half hour of this podcast. So maybe this sort of show is not for you. Because I'm going to really go in on some of these people. <laughs> Why don't you reply to them like I do? Oh, I do, Michelle. Yeah, I don't see you much... I have replied to a few of the people on the Hunted page fact-checking things. Oh, good. Okay, I'll go in and back you up. Because what they are putting out is what is known in the business as fake news. And this is sad exclamation point. (laughs) They're bad hombres. They are indeed bad hombres. (laughs) And I am going to get quite worked up about the Lee and Hilmar thing very soon. And then about the stupid people commenting on the Lee and Hilmar thing very soon. Hmm. So good luck with that, guys. Strap in! <laughs> so yeah, Sherlock gets a little bit creepy with Amber. And pretty much tells her to cut the crap, we know you're involved. And she gives it the, what? No, me? No, I don't think I've done anything. <laughs> She's awful. She's the worst liar ever. Like, Amber blatantly did not know what she was letting herself in for. Nope. She is worse than photographer Rob at lying. <laughs> And photographer Rob <laughs> broke down in two seconds when Jackie interrogated him. Her face. Just amazing. <laughs> when he says things. I'm like, I'm, I, I'm thinking, please, just act normal. Keep your face yeah. normal. No, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? <laughs> you basically want to reach through the television, grab her shoulders and shake her and go, No! Stop it, you idiot! <laughs> just, Just hang up. <laughs> It's your only chance. Or switch the camera off, at least. Say, I prefer to as Benedict Cumberbatch, and then hang up on him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, oh, boy. So, back to Arif and Imad, and they offer to pay their driver $93 now, and $30 in a few days when they get more cash out. And they do find a place to stay, thanks to someone at the mosque. And they arrange for the next day to hitch a ride with a new friend to Atlanta. Mm, Keep moving. Um... 
what do, what do you think of this play of using the local mosque? It seems fairly obvious, but that's a big community of people that have no connection with them. You'd have to be a bit lucky, I think, to find out mm. who was helping them. Well, I think it's a good move. You wouldn't be able to do this in a smaller town. No, it needs to be a biggish community, doesn't it? Yeah, because in a in a bigger city like Athens, there's going to be quite a few mosques that you could potentially move around, would be my argument. And yeah. there are a lot of people you are completely and utterly not connected to. Yeah, so even if they know they're likely to go to a mosque, yeah, they don't know which mosque. And the people that go to there must be hundreds of people visiting each of these mosques, so they're really going to have to look out if they're going to find the person that they've given them. And the one thing that no one else seems to have thought of yet is the fact that actually if you've got a religious connection with someone, you're not going to sell them out. Probably not, no. They're, they're, you know, you, mm-hmm. You've got a connection, haven't you? It's, it's a big enough connection to think, mm, no, I'm, I've got something in common with these guys, so I'm going to see what I can do for them. I know a lot of people criticise the whole big on religion thing in quite a few CBS reality shows, but actually in this case it kind of works. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a community. It's a bond, isn't it? It's a community. That's that's more of what it is. It's less about it being a religion per se, more about it being a, a community where people look out for each other. Well, yeah, it's, it's a community, but with the morality link as well. Mm-hmm. That is the important aspect. The fact that their fellow Muslims, you'd like to think, wouldn't sell them out, especially if the connection was actually made at the mosque. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think it's, I think this will pay off well for them, and um, maybe we'll see them use that even more. I can't see them winning still. Mm. I wouldn't be shocked if they won, but I, I, I'm leaning still towards the no deal. Yeah. I don't yeah. think they're going to get a chance to open the safety deposit box in two weeks' time. No, I, I think everything we've seen just backs up our early views, which is they're, they're going to get close but no cigar. Uh, I think there would be a slightly different edit going in if they were winning. I think it would be more about what a great game they're playing and... We're not, we're getting what great guys they are. And also, there'd be more about how Imad's going to spend his share of the money, given that he works for the NGO. Yeah, he'd have been talking about what projects they were going to fund and what a great thing it would be. And yeah, yeah, we're not getting any of that. All we get is, oh, these guys are lovely. It's going to be such a shame when they lose. So day 19 begins for them, with them getting cash out for their new cab friend. And Imad goes solo for the cash, which actually inadvertent clarifies a rule that isn't explicitly stated yet, which is that they don't have to stay near each other. No. In no, theory, they can that. split. Yeah. Yeah, 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 they can. Mm, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that one. With them being all pairs, I suppose they could have put in a, an Amazing Race-style rule, but no, it seems like they can split up. In one of the first couple of episodes, we had the sort of slight confirmation of the fact that they can split if you want to. Especially as there are two camera people as well, which I found out this week, per team. All right, okay. Yeah, I found that out. How on earth are they all fitting in a car? I think there might be separate cars. Mm. Why are they doing that? I mean, it's a lot harder to hide that many people. It is, but also I'd like to think that the hunters wouldn't know what the camera people looked like. Yeah, but just having camera people following you around, it's not an everyday event. They're not blatant shoulder cameras like an amazing race, Michelle. I I always struggle with this. Oh, just look for the guys with the cameras. You've got to be pretty close to see a cameraman anyway. So if you're close enough to see there's a camera guy with a, with a couple of people, you've already got them. You're not going to get that close and then not catch them. So, you know, we're we're talking about, are they in the right city? Not are they within 50 yards of each other? So I don't, I've never bought into that. They'd be really easy to spot. The one thing I do think is 
you're more likely to get ratted out because people will notice you. You know, you can't go on unnoticed, but I, I don't think it's a case that the hunters will be able to spot them easier at all because you're already on top of them at that stage. And also you have to remember that they still don't have access to live CCTV. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I think it'd be hard to get, you know, a car. If, you, if you're if you going to hitchhike, you know, it's not always that everyone's seats and everything is quite vacant and you can fit four people in just at the drop of a hat. I think it would be difficult. I think that's why we've seen a lot more self-drive. If you notice, Lee and Hilmar were self-driving this week. David and Emily were. Arif and Imad have as well. We've not seen that much hitchhiking. Not seen a lot. It only needs to be a solo driver, though, doesn't it? You can get three on the back seat. You know, American cars are big enough anyway. But yeah, I think that's probably why we've seen more self-driving than the hitchhiking and the getting taxis and getting lifts off people. Yeah. Mm. Is the fact that actually they're bigger teams. Mm-hmm. That does also mean that they can split up if they want to. Not that it probably helps them. Do you think that's why everyone has two cameras in case they split up? Yeah. Why don't they just save the money, have one cameraman and say they can't split up? I don't... It's a waste of money. Because I I think it also... It has a certain charm having a one-on-one connection be available in the UK. And if in America it gives them the options of splitting up, as we found out with um, with Io and Madhu, mm. there is a lot of story to be gained from that. Yeah, but mm. they did that with one one camera person. You just mm. got to draft someone in, haven't you? They've got local crews, so and the it's, girls. It's not that. Who are the girls? Difficult. She just she just ran off. Yeah, and get another cameraman. Series one, Emily and Lauren. Yeah, <laughs> so it's it's not that big an issue. Yeah, I think they were probably more worried with the larger uh, hunt area as well that they maybe wouldn't be able to film that properly because you need to have someone ready to go. Yeah, but you know it's a TV show. If they do split up. The production is just going to go, okay, yeah, you can split up, just hang fire while we get a crew on you, and then away you go. You know, they, they'll just cut that out. They, they're not going to They're not going to risk losing hours of footage either way. I don't think they need to have a second cameraman there for 28 days, potentially, just in case they split up. There's probably other reasons for it. You know, it, they can probably get much better shots and stuff. Yeah, I think they have slightly different functions as well. Yeah, yeah. I think one of them is, is more... UK typical of having just the GoPro, basically. And I think one is more bigger wide shots. Yeah. Um, Going back to them uh, getting money out, isn't that amazing they can do facial recognition from half a face? It is, but also quite worrying. Mm. Yes. But bear in mind they are only comparing with what what's, they think what's they in the know. database yeah they're yeah. not they're not trying to yeah. identify it from a, a group of millions of people they're basically saying is this face this yeah. guy so you don't need it doesn't mm. need to be yeah. that amazing does it you know they I'm they kind of know that. it is <laughs> so they're just going to confirm it and it basically has confirmed that no one else can get cash for them as well yeah that's got to be a rule now hasn't it because there's no logical reason why him has to go and do that he could have sent any number of people from the mosque to go and get the money for them but because of the CCTV ping, uh, India is sent to Athens. Sounds very multicultural, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, n- it's nice to see a visit from India. It's only their second appearance. <laughs> yeah, they've been very quiet, haven't they? They have. They're not very quiet on uh, on Twitter, but they they have been quite quiet on the show. Yeah, makes you wonder what they were doing. Hmm. And um, Pakistani Sherlock suggests that they check mosques in the surrounding area. Good instinct, Pakistani Sherlock. 
What do you bet she suggested about 50 different things and they just picked the one that was correct? That could be. And and lovely callback to, oh, I said this when they went on the run that they might end up in a mosque. Yeah, well done. She probably said it for every single time that they lost them. Yes. Yeah. like, yes, Syra. Yes, there could be a mosque. We'll check the fecking mosques. <laughs> for God's sake, enough with the mosques. <laughs> so they do request CCTV for the mosque. And all I have to say is that sending two white women in to harass people at a mosque is always going to be a good idea, guys. But they were so subtle, you know. We're supposed to we're supposed to meet our friends here. Oh, our friends have already left. Yeah, they're falling for that one. Totally. They've probably heard back from the uh, the Troy and Shelley hiding place and thought, actually, that's a great tactic. We'll try that. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think Team India is just going to be our bumbling detective team. Yeah, they don't seem to be uh, adding an awful lot to it. They didn't even come up with a stupid pseudonym, did they? Where was Luis Robles when you needed him? And um, now on to the best bit of the season. And this is where I'm going to advise anyone who bitches about Leon Hillbell's plane move to get the hell off my podcast. I don't think they'd be listening to the podcast. I don't think they will. I would hope they won't, but, you know, we don't like stupid listeners. We don't have any. (laughs) We're not not very tolerant of stupid. Of people's bullshit. Anyway. Uh, so, Lee and Hilmar are officially flying Beth in. Holy double winners edit, Batman. <laughs> it's just amazing. Mm. It's a $250,000 gamble. Yeah, and I can kind of guess which way this gamble's going to go, guys. And, um, yeah, it's a really emotional scene when Beth and Lee are reunited and she tells him he doesn't smell bad. She tells Hilmar he hasn't changed. She's got the same shirt on. Oh, Hilmar, never change. I didn't mean that. To be fair, they did deliberately wear the shirts that they wore when they were going on the run, just to be extra cocky to the hunters. That's the only reason they wore those shirts, was because they knew they were taking the picture with Beth and wanted to wind them up even further. But yeah, obviously we get the the soaring music and Lee finding out that, with Beth at the same time, that they were having another boy. And then we get a CVS cliffhanger. (laughs) <laughs> Which is the the worst, the worst ad break cliffhanger we've had all season. And there have been some pretty bad ones. But this one, <gasps> there's someone coming. It's an elderly lady. And then everyone just corpses. Brilliant. But my favourite bit of this entire totes-emote scene was Hilmar's face and the fact they kept zooming in on it. Hilmar's <laughs> reactions to... Beth and Lee getting reunited with just my favourite thing of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Him just looking like a proud father who knows that he has just done the ballsiest plan ever to be attempted on a TV show. Yeah, he's holding back the smug, but it's starting to seep through. The fact that they have the cojones gigantes to do that is just insane. It is, it is insane. So I, I was mentioning to um, Michael before we went on air, Michelle, that I've put this straight at the top of my top five best moves in Hunted. So um, what would your guys be your top five then? So this will be obviously in both of yours, but it's number one for me. What else? It's number got? one. There's nothing surpasses this. This Ricky Allen's Bothy Adventures. Yep, that's my number three. Uh, Aya Ringing Blacks. Yeah, that's my yes, number four. Yes, 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 that's there. Nick with the gym fake out. Yep, number two. And Hamish and Michaela water skiing. Yay! <laughs> same top five in the same order. A, yeah! <laughs> Pretty much. They are the five most ballsy moves. I 
contemplating whether it's going to be Nick's gym move or this as my favourite um, ballsy move. I think this is a way bigger move, yeah. but I think that the, the edit kind of spoils it a little bit. Had this been edited in the same way that the UK one was, in the, are they actually going to try and attempt this vein, rather than, yeah, we're attempting this and it's going to be amazing. I think it may have taken the number one spot, but I think I'll slightly give the edge to Nick just because it was better edited. Yeah, I, I can see that, but I, I'm giving it to this just because of the size mm. of it. The magnitude yeah. of this move is just ridiculous. Let me be perfectly honest, nothing will ever top this in terms of gigantic scale and gigantic balls that it takes to do it. Yeah, and I can't believe that that was the the only reaction we get from the hunters on this, because it was fairly muted, really, wasn't it? Given what's just happened, they're like, uh, yeah, yeah, I think they're in an airfield. <laughs> really? Yeah, because they're... Uh just dumbfounded it happened and really don't want to make the hunted look more look better than it you know they don't want to give them too many kudos they just want to be able to say that you know their moves are silly and they want to catch them they don't want to say they're amazing (laughs) but they are credit where credit is due yeah that is a fecking brilliant move it was at this stage where i really miss blacks because I would have just loved to have seen how he reacted to it. <laughs> it would have been, mm. I don't care what you do, you hunt him down and you get him here by tonight. <laughs> you can imagine Sherlock texting Blex when he got home saying, you'll never guess what happened on Hunted US. You thought Nick's move was ridiculous. Someone chartered a fucking plane. <laughs> oh, man. There's, there's taunting the hunters and there's taunting the hunters. This is just next level. It's amazing. The other thing you've got to consider is what are they going to do for season two? Because someone is going to watch this show, get cast for this show, and be inspired by this. Because this was blatantly inspired by Dr. Ricky Allen. Yeah. And at this point, the US teams hadn't seen the second UK one. So they didn't know that Nick had attempted a move this big. They didn't know that Io had rung the Hunters, which it looks like Lee and Hilmar are going to do next week. Oh, please, this is great. It is so odd for me to have to compare these, but we are going to have to compare these, because, number one, big brash moves, performed by both winners of the UK version, performed by Ali and Hilmar. Mm -hmm. Number two, trolling the Hunters, performed by Nick, Io, and Lee and Hilmar. Number three, these took place two episodes before the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Same as Lee and Hilmar. Number four, these took place on day 19. The same as Lee and Hilmar. How funny. I did the research on this. Obviously. Because I went back and watched the Hunted episode with both Io's phone call and Nick's gym move. They both took place around day 18, day 19. In other words, the same day as Lee and Ilma. Wow. And this is so spooky. And in real time, less than a month apart. Yeah. Wow. Because I'm sure you'll have seen the social media reaction. Anyone who's watched, it, watched the second UK version compared this to, to Nick's gym move, me included, because mm-hmm. it's amazing. But the fact that 
there are those connections. And the fact that Lee and Hilmar, it looks like, are going to channel Io next week as well. It's just mental. The fact that you can make these connections between the future winners of Undead, because let's be honest, they're winning, and Nick and Io. So what he's saying is they just recycled the script, basically. Well, yeah, this show is so unbelievably fake and scripted. <laughs> so what we need you to do, Lee and Hilmar, on day 19 is make a really big, ballsy, bold move. Now, we don't care how you do it. You know, in the past, we've had imposters. We've had ringing the HQ. I mean, you could fly your wife in for all we care. Just do something on day 19. I mean, obviously, we were joking about the plane. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Lee and Hilmar bought a wheelbarrow to carry their gigantic testicles for this move. <laughs> but yeah, the the connections between them and Io and Nick is just startling to me. It is amazing. Yeah, I hadn't realised it was uh, pretty much the same time. Yeah, it's, it's just bonkers. But the other bit of this entire scene that I actually skipped out deliberately is the fact that this was so poorly edited in the bit before Beth lands. For two reasons. Well, for complete data protection reasons, actually, but two instances of it within about ten seconds of each other. Did you notice the tail number of the plane? Uh, I did hear it, but I didn't write it down. Because it was blatantly put on the screen for about ten seconds. Really? For that Have you long? Looked it up? I didn't yeah. notice. When the guy at the airport was tracking the plane, you could blatantly see the tail number. Oh, okay. So creepy people, sort of like me, could stalk that plane. And as it happens, it hasn't flown for about two weeks. <laughs> okay. Right, yo, Anthony, I don't think we should be talking to Michael anymore. Mm. He has issues. <laughs> I did this in the safe confines of chatting with Lee last night about this. Okay. Right. So this is a point that I need to bring up. <laughs> <laughs> but the other bit is what I'm actually going to get onto. Because right before that, there is a blatant shot of Lee's notepad that he used for the show and that he apparently still has, which shows someone's phone number. Really? Yes. And not a 555 number? No. <laughs> it shows someone's phone number, or at least the last two components of it, and you could probably hazard a guess of what the first three numbers are going to be. Wow. But that is, like, terribly shoddy editing. <laughs> it is a bit, isn't it? Given that they blurred out all the opening hours and everything of the airport, and then leave someone's bloody phone number in the show. Yeah. Why did they blow out the opening hours of the airport? I don't know, but it it was blatantly visible when Lee and Hilmar walked through the door. Yeah, I noticed that. There was a few things they blurred out. As you should know from 46 podcasts with me, Michelle, I watch the background of scenes more than I watch the actual scenes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always paying attention to sight gags. Ooh. So, yeah. And then, just to top it off, Beth takes a photo with Lee and Hilmar wearing the same outfits that, that is in their mugshots, next to the plane with the tail number blatantly visible, holding a paper for Lagrange, and posts it on Instagram with the hashtag, is your heart beating now? It's good, isn't it? Oh, that is delicious. It's so good. So good. In an episode that I'm going to have to award about five MVPs to, like, there are... So many candidates that I can't pick one this episode. Yeah, everybody was on their game this week. Yeah. We're talking Beth for blatantly arranging a lot of the sneaky shit with them. We're talking Hilmar for having a, pr- a friend with a frigging plane. We're talking Tim for being the friend with the frigging plane. 
And don't forget Blaze for not giving them up. And also, I kind of want to stay on Blaze's good side. Yes, Blaze for not going on a murder rampage. (laughs) And Lee for just about coming up with the stupidest plan that is physically possible and getting away with it. I don't think it's stupid if you have the brains to pull it off. No, Michelle, it is the most gutsy move that is physically possible on Hunted. It, it's yeah. stupid in the sense that it's really, really unnecessary. And that's what I love about it. There is, you don't need to do this. You're doing this because no, you, you think, don't need oh, we to. can do this. You we could totally it. do it. <laughs> God, it's so good. In the hands of any other team on the season, that would not have worked. Oh, no. Oh, no. They would have got caught. Well, yeah. They wouldn't have even thought about it. That's just next level taunting. It's just brilliant. It's so far over the top, it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Liam Hilmar, you are ridiculous. <laughs> you really are. And I love you guys dearly and you know that. <laughs> but seriously, where did this plan come from? <laughs> More importantly, Hilmar, how have you got a friend with a plane? <laughs> yes, good question. I know Lee, Lee and Beth took you in during the tornado in Tennessee, but how have you managed to get a friend with a private plane who will drop everything? I think a bit of it may have been arranged before they even went on the run. I think it might have as well. I think they might have yeah. thought, hmm, Tim might get us out of a jam here. We'll warn him that we're going on the run at some point and we might need to call him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a drop everything, just jump in your plane kind of situation. But still, what on earth? And then, the fact that it elicits reactions like, try eight months overseas, zero contact with home, working 12 to 18 hours a day in a high-stress environment, 28 days as a cakewalk, knowing some of the best investigators are trying to track you down just adds excitement to the vacation. I don't think any team was successful this season, and I hope ratings are high enough for a second season. (laughs) I didn't think they did it because they missed. As I said before, they, I Lee's done it just to goad the hunters as well as get a nice little visit from Beth. But I think there was more of a agenda to, you know, do a Nick style move. Oh, definitely. To which one Lee Wilson replied, "Guys, it's going to be okay. You are aware that this is a game." and that the way we chose to play the game isn't an affront to our nation's military. Something to think about. Then watch it again and try to figure out what the point of the move actually is. You'll have more fun that way. We did. Yep. Exactly. I like the fact that I don't think Lee and Hilmar expected to have any sort of backlash, especially from the military on this. (laughs) It's just so (laughs) random, isn't it? God damn it, you're so un-American with your flying and your wife. What? Where, where's the connection here? This is just bonkers. This this is about as logical as when people go off on one that, um, like, oh, all of that champagne that went to waste when they won that Formula One race, they could have given that money to elderly people. Uh, what? What are you talking about? There is no connection there. It's just bonkers. Genuinely, about 90% of the comments on the Facebook page right now are just, this is so un-American, how can you shit on the graves of our military? (laughs) I can't wait to get onto that page when we finish. 
It's got to the point where Lee actually posted, Friends, I appreciate your concern for those who protect our freedom, but let's not confuse the life of military families in a televised reality competition game. Watch it again and try to relax and have fun. Game strategy is not a personal attack on you or the people who serve the cause of freedom. Rooting for or against us, I hope you're having a blast watching the show with your friends and families. Mic drop. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I just don't Why are Americans so ridiculous? Crazy. I don't think Lee thought that this was going to get blown out of proportion in this way. <laughs> I think I think the way America is at the moment, they're just all so wound up that everything is setting them off. You know, why are Americans they're, so crazy? We've all been asking ourselves that question so since November. Different. Let's be clear, anyone who who is still for some reason listening to this podcast and posted a comment like that, look at yourself in the mirror. It's a game. It's a TV show. These guys are playing to win, to annoy the hunters to get the hunters off their game. Because, if you remember at the start of this episode, in the David and Emily bit, Rifi, the science guy, says that he wants to overwhelm everyone's senses to try and disorient them, make them pause, make them make a mistake. This is exactly what Lee and Hilmar were doing with this move. And it is deliberate that this bookends the episode. Because it is hunters and fugitives doing exactly the same move to try and win, because they both have vested interests in their side winning this game. For the fugitives, it's 250 grand, which in the case of Lee and Hilmar, will set them up. Lee wants to expand his escape rooms, he wants to prepare for the arrival of a new child, and he wants to basically suffocate the hunters out of this game. The hunters want to prove that their law enforcement tactics will catch anyone with any tactic, no matter how gutsy their moves. So just take a breath. It's a television show, and I'm fully aware that it is deeply ironic that I'm getting very worked up about this. But it's a TV show. It's a piece of TV. And frankly, if you look at that move objectively, it was art. That is how you win Hunted. You don't have to do flashy moves, but it is a TV show first and foremost. And flashy moves might not win you the game, but they will win you my affection. And that is all that matters. That is how you win the fact that it is banners for Hilmar. The fact that it is episode title is going to be Every Wolf Has Its Day. (laughs) I am fully on on Lee and Hilmar's TV. (laughs) Mic drop. You may may finally speak. Is the the banner going to be... Um, them, their Facebook post? No, it's Hilmar looking proud. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, because, as I said to Lee, I think it is very obvious a move to put the Instagram post as the banner this week. Whereas I kind of like doing the sneakier move of having Hilmar looking like a cocky son of a bitch. (laughs) I think that's more our style, because our banners tend to be the more off-the-wall suggestions from an episode. Esoteric. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, say so what you guys want to say. I've I've ranted for ten minutes you now. Did you just did your little speech then? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good move. <laughs> um, what What do you think of Sherlock finishing the whole sequence though with um, the whole bit about they're they're too cocky? That cockiness is going to be their downfall. Yeah, but it's not. It's not though. Sherlock was very happy to take down Ricky Allen personally. <laughs> Yeah, but he didn't take down both Nick and Io literally a month before this season filmed. He's probably still smarting from the fact that the two guys 
with the biggest moves, managed to get it past him. Twice. Mm, but they've left it in. What do you think? He's still smarting. Yeah. That's all it is. It's just, it's just a bit of counterpoint, just just to add an air of suspense. It's 100% Sherlock being very bitter that he lost to both Io and Nick. And also, he was in the team that was a minute behind Io and Nick when they won. Yeah, that was true. He was the first person on that pier. Yeah. Yeah, again, I'm just, I'm just searching for stuff that means that something unpredictable is going to happen. Because as much, I, much as I'm loving this series, and I am, it's absolutely fabulous. It would be even better if they totally blindside us and what we expect to happen doesn't. But, no, Lee and Hilmar have been locked to win since their very first confessional of, oh, Beth's pregnant, you might as well just hand them the money then. But the fact that they... The edit is carefully done to show the winners in a particular light. And the fact that Lee and Hilmar have been shown to be horrendously cocky is kind of endearing. I think that's what they were going for. I don't think the editors were expecting the whole military backlash bullshit to happen. I don't think anybody with any semblance of sanity was expecting that. As delightful as it is. Yeah. You know I love a good funniest complaints. Mm-hmm. I'm meeting up with the guy who writes the funniest complaints in less than a month again. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I didn't expect the backlash, but it just, for me as someone covering the show, it's delightful just to have to talk about people losing their shit over literally nothing. Yep. Crazy audience. I'll wait to get in there. And... Between the time that we record this podcast and it going out tomorrow at some point, Michelle is going to have commented on every single post just saying, get your bloody shit-o together. <laughs> I will have commented on quite a few, I would say. <laughs> I can't help myself. But yeah, I just have the note for the picture thing, which is, that's so damn cocky, and I love it. Yeah. And best plan ever. Definitely. Definitely. That You're right, it's never going to be beaten. That is just the best. I worry for the fugitives of season two because they're going to want to top this and they're not going to be able to. The winners yeah. of season two will be the ones who realise that actually they're not going to be able to top this. They're going to have to do something of their own. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Teresa wants metadata. Yeah. On that yeah, picture. She, she wants everything. everything. And that ends Lee and Hilmar's journey this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and what a wild ride it has been. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we finish the episode with David and Emily. And Notblex preempts their plans. So Emily throws the burner phone out of the window and David gets stressed. David should get rid of that car before it even started coming up in the hunters' brains. I was thinking, oh my God, you need to get rid of that car now. And I wonder if David did actually talk about it, but it wasn't edited into the program. Yeah, you'd have thought so, wouldn't you? Because it's the same connection. So we've got to get rid of the burner phone. Because if they've got if they're onto Blaze, they're onto Blaze. So the the car came from Blaze. So the, yeah, they need to ditch that car really quick. And also, how many guys in the area are going to be called fucking Blaze? <laughs> it didn't take them very long to track him down, really. Let's be perfectly honest. Most of the Blazes will be in prison. <laughs> it's not going to be a hard Facebook search. And that's his name listed on the website. So it's not even a nickname, is it? He's actually called Blaze. His parents actually decided to name him. Something that is usually only found in an arsonist character in a comic. Um, And yeah, Command do make the dealer tag connection, so ID the car, and then let the games begin. Or as I would prefer to put it, in a Sue Clark homage, game on moles. 
Yeah, game on mole. Yeah. Um, I I think inadvertently them catching on to this might be their saving grace that they're going to just have to really go for it now. They, they, everything that they had planned has got to be thrown out the window like the burner phone. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's how they get to the end. Yeah. I still think David and Emily are going to win. I wouldn't be terribly shocked if they get caught, but I'm still leaning... I'm 90% sure they're going to win. I'm 100% sure Lee and Hilmar are. Yeah. Because if they don't, then it is just ridiculous editing. And actually, my impression of the season would go vastly down if Lee and Hilmar didn't win with that glorious winner's edit. Mm. OTTP5. Yeah, I'd put Lee and Hilmar's chances at 100%. David and Emily's at about 90 Arif and Imad at 70, 75 at most. Mm-hmm. Pennywise and Henry VIII, 10. Yeah. Yeah, I'd maybe have them a little higher, but the rest I would go along with, yeah. It's more the clue of the fact that they are still only on about day seven. Yeah, yeah. So, next time, they're doing exactly the same thing as they did last week and only putting in our winners. So it's David and Emily escaping again. And Lee and Hilmar decide to inadvertently channel their second UK winner in a row and pulling an IO. <laughs> no Arif and Imad at all in the next time on. But there wasn't last week either. No. Last week, only Lee and Hilmar and David and Emily got mentioned again. Hmm. So is this just a don't forget these are winners, guys? I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's be honest Pennywise and Henry VIII are getting caught next week. But. Where do you think they're going to go in terms of getting captured? What day? Because they've already surpassed Matt and Christina as day four. Do you think they're going to surpass Angela and Michelle at day nine? Yeah, I think I don't know. I really don't know what they've been doing so far, though. We haven't seen. No, we haven't seen much of them. That's why I think they go longer than you'd expect. I think they'll go mid-teens, as many teams have. I don't know. They're not doing anything interesting, but that can either mean they're going to go a long way or they just didn't do anything interesting and then got caught. I'd go for day 16, 17. So you think that they will overtake Miles and Will? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. I mean, we're not seeing much content from them, so they're obviously staying underground quite a bit and it's it's quite boring viewing, so they're not featured. But you'd think with a character like... Uh, Henry VIII, that she would be frazzled by day six and would be going nuts and they would show loads of her if there was loads to show. That's the only reason I think they're holding back on them. I think um, they're going to last a while, but then they're going to melt down in such a spectacular way that it will just be really interesting content to have next week. Yeah, I I know I said this last week, but I think it's going to be their last stand next week. Yeah, Balance of probability, um, but I think there will be a. It will be a really interesting capture. I think it will involve a massive emotional breakdown and a big argument between the two. I wouldn't even rule out that they split up in the game. I mean, not like forever. <laughs> Go their separate ways for a few days. That wouldn't surprise me. I can't see them doing another nomination. No, no, I don't. No, think no, someone will go next week. And. That does kind of mean that we're going to get three teams going into the final episode, which is called the final captures, by the way. Mm-hmm. Captures. Oh, okay. Oh, capture or chures? What is it? I think it's capture. Let me just Google it. So we've got two winners. A spoiler title. Yes. Uh, the final escape. That's uh, what it's called. Okay. Escape, right. as in escape room. 
Uh, well, a hundred million percent, it's going to be a Leon Hilmar title. With the hunters hot on their trails, the remaining fugitive teams plan their final escape to win the two hundred fifty grand prize on the first season finale of Hunted, which kind of hints it's being recommissioned. Which it is. Which it is because it's been doing very well. Yeah. And why on the app doesn't it say you must live in sort of this vicinity, these areas? Because why are they getting? They'll be getting thousands upon thousands. Of apps in, why wouldn't they cut that down? Because Lee and Hilmar aren't in the hunting area. Neither are Pennywise and Henry VIII. No, that's true. They're not far away, though, are they? They're not far away, but they were conveniently visiting family in the hunting area when they were sent on the run. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. It was very, very convenient. Yes. And right. I suppose anyone could be visiting friends in the hunt zone, couldn't they? I mean, it was it was super convenient that Lee, and, uh, that Lee and Beth and their family ended up visiting family in Atlanta, and Hilmar just happened to be staying with them. Mm. For example. So it really doesn't matter where you're from, does it? It really doesn't. And also, I think in the first season, it, they didn't, or the first season application, they didn't put that on there because they didn't know that Georgia were going to be sponsoring them at that point. No. So yeah, Pennywise and Henry VIII is going next week, and yeah. our final three teams will be Lee and Hilmar, Arifin Imad, and David and Emily. Yeah, um, so the final episode will pan out. First 15 minutes, Arifin Imad get caught. We then see lots of chasing going on, and ultimately the other two teams make it to the end. Yeah. I would say. I would agree. So, thank you for listening to this Hunted podcast. You can join us next Sunday for another Hunted recap. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MJ Harms done for me, Bulls Boy for Anthony, and Bear. From Michelle. And with that, your time in the run is over. Bye. And we're back next week with more ridiculous goings on.